Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and I am today bringing you part one of a four-part New Year series entitled uh, Fresh Start, with today's message specifically entitled, Are You Sure You're Up For This?, based off of Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. So let us dive into the Word today. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. Taking up our crosses to be disciples of Jesus means being willing to risk inconvenient demands on our time, lack of certainty, embarrassment, and sometimes even physical danger. But Jesus is the way to life, and he calls us to make fresh starts in faith. A fresh start requires courage, focus, and practice. Have you ever thought of having a fresh start at any point in your life? A fresh start in this sense is defined as a complete change in your way of life or the way that you do things, especially after you have previously been unsuccessful. <laughs> I've been there. When I went to Chubb Institute, it was my dream to become a successful business programmer and website developer. Following graduating, I found a job as a software engineer at a home automation software company. And this job was awesome. I got to even go on business trips to to home automation conventions uh, in Indiana, Indiana, excuse me, Indianapolis in Las Vegas. But as I worked things out, or as things worked out anyway, um, that company couldn't compete in the market and went belly up a year after being fired. I tried to find other jobs, but since I had quote less than five years of experience end quote, no one would hire me. So what did I do? I set out to create my own website development company. And I went from place to place to place, but everyone by that point had their own website. I was just a year or two too late. 
and in the world of tech, you might as well be a thousand years too late. In the end, my business ventures were disastrously unsuccessful, and I needed a fresh start. I needed to rethink what I was truly supposed to do with my life. It took me a little while, but eventually I realized I needed to redo everything. You see, I had come to realize God had called me into ministry and I was never going to be looking back at being a web developer again. That part of me had been let go. Have you ever had to change your perspective on something? Now, sadly, our church has had to let go of things that were once cherished in the past. And this is nothing unique to our church, but happens at all churches. For instance, we once had paid staff, including a youth pastor, a business administrator, an associate pastor, and of course a music director. But our society has changed tremendously since the 1970s. The times were even changing then, but the church was innocently ignorant of it. But from the 70s till now, much has changed, including less and less people attending and giving. So since our attendance has consistently declined and our budget has declined due to less and less tithing, we at some point, long before I arrived here, we could no longer sustain being a church-driven staff, or a staff-driven church, excuse me. We could no long, longer be a uh, staff-driven church. We could no longer have all of those positions anymore because we simply couldn't afford it. Uh, now, uh, how have we, I should say, how have we as a church responded to that? I'm sure at the time it was not looked at positively. How do I know? Because those people who didn't look at it favorably then let me know now. I'm constantly reminded of a time when we had... 50 to 70 kids in Sunday school, a vibrant VBS, a children's choir, an active youth group, and small groups galore. People reminded me of that because they see those days as better than the days we are in now. And yes, having those numbers would rock. But are we so sure that Jesus wants us stuck in the past, appreciating what was so much more than what is? Or should we be looking toward what is and what will be, preparing ourselves for a fresh start to Christ's mission and ministry. Friends, sometimes difficult times necessitate a fresh start. A few chapters earlier, uh, Mark 6, John the Baptist, who had come to prepare the, uh, prepare the way for the Messiah, was killed. A new leader was needed. The religious leaders are testing Jesus for a sign that he is or is not the Messiah in Mark chapter 7 through 8. In this chapter, in Mark 8, Jesus flips the understanding of who the Messiah is and what the Messiah is supposed to do in, in verse 31 where it says, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. Peter did not expect the Messiah to suffer. Honestly, no one did. <laughs> not many, anyway. Peter did not expect the Messiah to suffer and is, was resistant to that reality. No one would have expected a Messiah to be rejected by the religious leaders and killed, let alone rise from the dead, nor would anyone have expected that the people's salvation would come this way. 
the new kind of suffering servant, Messiah, was offering a very big picture, fresh start. It was a fresh start God's way, not the human way, which made it difficult for Peter to understand and why Peter began to scold or reprimand Jesus as we saw in verses 22 through 23. I want to make this clear. Jesus did not simply suffer for the sake of suffering or to be seen as a victim. Jesus did not suffer simply for the sake of suffering or to be seen as a victim. The purpose of Jesus' suffering was to lift others up, especially those on the outside, on the margins. And he wanted to bring them to healing and fullness of life. And we see Jesus in the passages that lead up to the statement, willing to take the risk of relationships with those who are on the outside. For instance, when Jesus heals a blind man in Mark chapter 8, verses 22 through 26, who was no doubt judged a sinner under God's curse by his community. Lifting up the mar marginalized and upsetting the status quo necessarily entailed the risk of suffering. It was a risk Jesus knew and was willing to take for the sake of the big picture, God-sized, fresh start he was sent for. Friends, the Gospel of Mark is about expectations and who you are in Christ. The tone of the Gospel is imperative. The time is now, for a new thing is happening. Jesus is announcing that to be his followers, people need to be willing to suffer, to take up their cross, and follow him. Again, this is not suffering for the sake of suffering. In following Jesus' way of lifting up those on the outside and letting Jesus live in and through us, even when it is not my, what we might have chosen, we risk and accept the possibility of suffering. Taking up one's cross, pointing to Jesus' final sacrifice, leads to salvation. Our being willing to deny ourselves will also lead to life in unity with Jesus. So I want to I want to invite you to consider where you might be or have been resistant like Peter to the kind of fresh start Jesus offers or where you may not have had a full understanding of what God is doing and why. Against the messages we sometimes hear in the world when you give your life to Christ there is no promise that your life will be devoid of suffering. Following Christ might even bring about suffering. How might we invite a fresh start by being honest about our expectations of a life of faith? How will we be open to taking up our crosses? I want to challenge us as a congregation, or if you're in a different congregation, I want to challenge you, and maybe you can bring this to your congregation. I want to challenge us to move into the new thing that God is doing, even though it will require taking up the cross. How are we being called to deny ourselves for the sake of the gospel? Consider our community demographics in Newton and the surrounding areas we serve. 
How have they changed over the years? What might it look like to bear the cross in our community or your community if you live in a different one? Perhaps it might look like showing up to town council meetings to advocate for the least of these in our community. It might look like starting a ministry to help the homeless in our community or signing up with uh, our Evie to help out at Manor House or whoever coordinates a soup kitchen in your area. Or if you're bilingual, perhaps it will look like starting up an ESL class uh, for people who looking to learn English as their second language. And that can be done at our church, could be done at any church. There are churches that, that do that. Whatever the case may be, we, we uh, as a church can and will take the necessary step, whatever the case may be, toward a fresh start in serving our Lord and our community. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this inspiring, hopeful, and yet challenging message because it ultimately reveals the humanity in us. It reveals how human we are, Lord, and that we don't always see the big picture. And sometimes we see with limited sight and we can get afraid, uh, scared, even angry uh, as we're being asked to do things that, that seem unsafe and uncertain. But Lord, that is the life of faith. We trust in you and we know that you've called us to be yours and we know that there's risk in that. Help us, Lord, to have the courage to say yes to you and to, uh, the courage to enter into the kingdom of heaven with many others following behind us because we said yes to you and did what you called us to do. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, I would like to, uh, again, thank you for tuning in. Uh, and uh, as always, I enjoy uh, writing and delivering these messages. I get a lot out of them just by doing that, and I hope you're getting something out of them too. Uh, uh, with all that said, please check out the episode notes. Uh, this has been a tough time for churches, obviously, and uh, our church is no exception. So if you have it in you to support this ministry, uh, great. If you attend another church and this is just supplemental, then by all means, you know, uh, support your church as well. And if you can support both of us, that would rock and both of us would be grateful. Uh, with that said, friends, remember, you are richly blessed. So be a blessing to others. Go in peace.